Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. I'm John. And tonight, we're looking at the Moonbase 3 episode, Outsiders by John Brayson. And the episode goes something like this. Important research continues at Moonbase 3, but Helen Smith has concerns about two of the scientists, Doctors Partness and Conway. Although Partness is working on important fuel research, he's working at a desperate pace. Perhaps he knows his days on Moonbase 3 are numbered. And indeed they are. Calder is sending him back to Earth. No one likes him, and Calder hasn't forgiven him for illegally making the explosives that killed two staff members. Conway, on the other hand, just becomes distant, as if he's lost in thought somewhere else. Neither of their psych reports indicates a problem, but Helen relies less on them than she used to. Calder teases her a bit that she may be treating Conway as more than a patient, and while she denies it, later she's in his room kissing him. Conway feels like he's living in the wrong world. Sure, progress has made things better, but then maybe they aren't. Calder has got his own problems. An observer from Earth is coming up to scrutinize their work. They need results, and they need them now. Both Partnesses and Conway's projects could be the success story they need to keep the base funded. Conway succeeds! A jubilant Calder comes down to talk with him about it and also gives Conway some other good news. Partnesses' project has had a breakthrough, too. Now he's got two highly lucrative successes to show off when the visitor arrives in just a few hours. Conway is surprised his friend Partness didn't tell him about the breakthrough. Dr. Hauser from Earth arrives, and Partness demonstrates his new form of nuclear fuel to much fanfare. Rather than wanting to celebrate, though, Partness conscientiously wants to clean up after his demonstration. Too conscientiously, because a technician discovers Partness falsified the demo. This kind of fraudulent action could get the base closed down, so Calder must cover up the incident. At least they have Conway's complete success. Afterwards, Partness and Conway have a conversation. Partness knows how to fix his problem. He's sure the real breakthrough will come through soon. Conway envies him. Even with this setback, he wants to continue on. Conway doesn't feel that way, even in his success. Later, Someone takes an unauthorized moonwalk out onto the surface. They fear Partness is committing suicide, but it is Conway. His work complete on the surface removes his helmet so that he can hear the great silence of the moon. Calder allows Partness to stay on to make his breakthrough because Calder had faith in Conway, and Conway had faith in Partness. Okay! The outsiders, or just outsiders more specifically, referring uh, to Partness and Conway, I'll just say for the audience, it's not obvious from that synopsis, um, because 
Conway thinks they're both outsiders there on the moon base for whatever. Yeah, but that kind of anyway, confused me. The title. <laughs> yeah, although they did have an outsider, but there was only one, so you couldn't call him outsiders. So right. it was, yeah. Um, well, what you think of this episode? Um, it was it was interesting. Um, you know the the, the scientific uh, breakthroughs and works were you know, interesting and and uh, uh, you know definitely of uh, have uh, some basis in real science, which is always nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was interesting uh, story about mental health, and uh, unfortunately, Again. I don't think they uh, they quite addressed that properly. Uh, it definitely wasn't handled properly in the episode, oh, but no. <laughs> wow. So tell me. So tell me. I, audience, I think they should probably be sending the psychiatrist back to the earth, but continue. I have I have that in my note. Oh. <laughs> I have that I have yes. that in my notes because she is useless. <laughs> she yes. is worse than useless. But who here did not see anyone listening? Anyone? Who here did not see that Conway was gonna kill himself? Like in his second scene. On this story, yeah, he was way, way too despondent to uh, to uh, be allowed to yeah. do research on his own. <laughs> he was talking like a man who was going to commit suicide. Yes, well, I mean, all right, I, he's talking like I would expect someone to be talking about something if they were going to commit suicide. Uh, I mean, yeah, and this goes back all the way to Behemoth when he they mentioned his. Uh, you know, is he close to a breakthrough? And he's like, yeah, but I just don't know what it's for. You know, he, yeah. he was he was all kind of down. So, I mean, at least the writer, and it is the same writer who wrote Behemoth, which also featured Partners Conway and uh, Juan. <laughs> oh, yes. This one as well. Uh, who, who gets no mention in my synopsis because all he was there was to uh, be Juan. And yep. um, so, I mean, the guy who wrote this was setting it up. And you know, hats off to him for I, that. Yeah, I'm I'm good on that. Uh, I'm a little. How do I say this? Yes, I agree. Calder should be sending part partners back to Earth for that whole bit with the explosives. Yep, that should have been about two or three episodes ago. Right? I'm- I mean this. That was not last week that he blew up somebody and killed no. them with his negligence. No, that would have been weeks, months ago. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Calder is, is more of a, uh, I hate to put it this way, but a company man than uh, we think. That he's he's definitely got a long view of the whole uh, moon base. And that is his primary goal for for existing is to keep the moon base operating. And if it, That's if it requires him to... Uh, bend the truth a little bit here and there in order to keep the projects on track, then, yeah, that seems to be what he's going to do. Well, we definitely get that in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, We we definitely get that in this episode, but, uh, you know, we haven't really had it before. And as we come into this episode, he's going to flush the guy for doing that. And also the fact that he doesn't like him. But, um... (laughs) Yeah, he does change his tune there pretty quick at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess he's feeling like giving second chances. Third, although in this case, I mean, the guy has committed two major, major screw ups. One, creating illegal explosives on a freaking space 
based station. Right. And, right. and killing people. I mean, he didn't pull the trigger or kill the people, but I, I put a significant amount of blame for the death, uh, of Dr. Uh, I can't remember his name. Liebhaus, Liebman. Lobman. Lobman. I think it's yeah. Lobman. Um, Lobenthal. And then, Lobenthal. Yes, that's it. And then, uh, I, committing fraud. Yeah. I mean, out and out committing fraud. Um, th- this is, this is bad. And, you know, both uh, Bruno, who discovered the problem, mm-hmm. And now Calder and the technician who uh, Bruno showed it to, you know, I want you to see this when I make my report, right? So we, at least two other people know. And, you know, then Partness goes off and tells Conway, hey, I got caught. It's like first rule of a cover up, dude. Don't tell any more people. <laughs> Right? Who knows who else he's going to run around telling the base? By the way, every, everybody on Moonbase 3 right, knows exactly. that that was a fraud. But, you know, the guy on Earth, he doesn't know, so that's okay. Right. Um, Maybe nobody so ever that, talks to Earth. So they're, you know, yeah. pretty sure it's not, not going to get out. Well, if you talk to Earth, they want money, so. Oh, there you go. Yeah. We're just not going to. They'll just go through that royal post bag and make sure that nobody sends out any incriminating letters. Yeah. Let's keep track of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean. Uh, yeah, I I was gonna kind of gonna say that, but let's go there now. I mean, how how do you feel about Calder now? I mean, how did you feel about Calder as an administrator and as the guy put in charge of the base, and and how do you feel about him after he covers this up? Uh, like I said before, I think that he was hired on to make sure the moon base uh, stays around. Uh, you know, maybe there was a talk with uh, whoever that. Oh, the, the the deputy director, whoever it was on Earth that uh, made the... The, the uh, British guy. Right, made the decision to send him up there. You know, maybe he had a little uh, talk with him and says, you know, I don't really care what happens, but keep the moon base going, you know. So it feels to me like that space commission that that guy's in charge of mm-hmm. is the one putting the screws to him. And we mm-hmm. saw that kind of in the last episode, so... Yeah. Well, everybody else I, in the commission would be, but maybe that one guy... The, the wooden British the guy, guy says, you know, don't care. They're going to be pretty rough on you, but, you know, keep it going. Just as you did perhaps the at the low. university that you got back in shape in a year. Back during well, maybe that would be interesting to find out was. what he had to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. At that university. Um, because maybe it was a, it was a dirty tricks yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, you might think that he's a, a nice guy, but it turns out that, you know, he's, you know, he can fight dirty when he needs to. Who knows? You know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of now, in, in a in a sort of stupid way, looking back at that first episode, and and you know, because I have I've been viewing this guy through this lens of he's the good guy, <laughs> he's he's a nice old teddy bear, exactly. Um, yes, he's firm and he's strong, but, just, but just come to Welshman. think of it, he's he's actually quite uh, underhanded. Yeah, he'll uh, he'll get things done by whatever ways or means he uh, he seems fit. You know, huh. Falsifying reports seems to be a big tool of his. Exaggerating the truth. Yeah, you would. Sure is, but... <laughs> yeah. Huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's that's true. He's he seems sincere, but actually, now that I think about it, he he might actually be. Um. Well, I don't know. 
you know, as you say, maybe he was put there by the commissioner. Yep, to make sure to things work. Run with air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. You you keep this moon base going, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And somehow that does not involve firing Helen Smith. <laughs> yeah, strangely enough. The the most useless psychologist. <laughs> yeah, she is rather inept at her job. Uh, and we've spoken before about uh, uh, doctor-patient relationships, and uh, maybe, maybe things are different in, in their version of the future. But I don't know. <laughs> the far-flung future. Yes, 2011. Far future. <laughs> oh, it's definitely 2011. I checked the date on, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Conway's desk. I think it was April oh. 23rd, Friday, and that's a, a 2011 year. Is that in fact April Friday? Oh, yeah, you uh, it is. It, okay. Oh, you so you look. It said April twenty third. You checked Friday and you checked that, or yep. you yep. it said twenty eleven on it. No, it didn't say twenty eleven. Just had the date, uh, month, and day. Okay. Yep. So yeah, yeah, good for okay. them. Twenty eleven. It is. <laughs> I wonder if that's exactly the same day of the week it was in nineteen seventy three or whatever. Hmm, I'm not sure. That would be funny if they just that pulled out be. the BBC calendar and stuck it down and go, that turns out it happens to work for 2011 yeah. too. Uh, mm-hmm. No one's ever going to see this. No one's ever going to think to look at right. it. No it's one's ever going to be able to know what the day is in 2011. It's only going to be broadcast once. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> all. No one's no one's ever going to find this on YouTube. Uh, right. <laughs> Internets, don't so, know what that is. Yeah. Ah, the tubes, the tubes. What is going mm-hmm. on? Um, so, one, she is detecting problems with partners. Yes. And and amazingly enough, it's like he's working really hard because he seems to be desperate. And in fact, what we see is that partners literally says that, right? This is not some great intuitive thing that she's come up with. Mm-hmm. Partners knows that and he's working his tail off to try to get results fast because he knows he's for the chop. Right. So that's not a great insight. Um, and then it turns out Conway, apparently she's spending a lot of time time with quality time. Yes. With him. And, um, that's, uh, and she's not noticing that he's basically suicidal and let's carry that a step forward. Neither do the psych reports. Right. That's yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. Maybe so, their maybe their parameters for that are pretty fast and loose. Let's face uh, it, they're Myers Briggs tests. More um, than likely. <laughs> yeah, each psych report is only five questions long and there you go. Fill this out and suddenly you know what kind of person you are <laughs> and whether or not you've got any problems. Exactly. Yay. We've all neatly classified you and put you in a box and it says you're okay. Yep. But I'm not so sure, says Helen, the trained psychologist. I just, yeah. I just got a feeling. You know, well, that's fine, but I'm still going to do the thing I want to do, says Calder. What's the point of having a psychologist if you don't make use of her, says mm-hmm. Helen. Well, what's the point of having a useless psychologist if your commentary is useless? <sighs> okay. Okay. And, of course, I don't know how... Twice... During the episode, Calder basically calls her 
He doesn't call her out. He teases her. He's not he's not like, you know, you shouldn't be sleeping with your patients. He right. kind of jokingly says, oh, is your interest professional? Personal, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later on, when he literally calls him her boyfriend, and she goes, he's not my boyfriend. It's like, yeah. And then we see you kissing him. And, well, we see you in his room, kind of lounging on his bed unit, I think. Gives him a kiss before you leave. I don't know what to make of that. I really don't. I could not, I could not interpret from that scene whether that was supposed to be like a post-coital thing, where they just all gotten dressed and stuff, or whether these two were close, but not that close, but they were at the sort of kiss goodbye stage. Uh, probably the kiss goodbye stage. Uh, she's still broken up over the guy she slept with and died last week. <laughs> Did he die? No, no, he got sent back to Earth in the straitjacket. That's right. Right, right. So uh, another great success. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is uh, actually, she should be uh, struck off. This is actually a really, really slow uh, uh, murder mystery horror type thing where she's actually the bad guy trying to get everybody off the base. Oh, good point. No, she uh, is psychologically maybe. manipulating them to exactly. get them all yep. nuts. I'll <laughs> sleep with him, and then he'll go crazy. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> happened in the past. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think I saw it on an episode of Columbo the other day. Probably. Um, <laughs> that was the American yeah, trope she, for that time. Yeah, yeah she, she definitely needs to be struck off. There's another uh, scene that I wanted to bring up. Well, two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have them in this order in my notes, but I'll put them in there. When she is having a, a discussion, a heated discussion, I believe it's when she's trying to convince Kohler to give Partners a second chance. He shouts at her, don't try to do my job for me, woman. <laughs> yeah. That line, really very problematic. <laughs> no, problematic now. I think back then it probably was just, you know, standard turn of phrase, but Yeah. But Not still, the they, I mean, no, even even in 19, 1973, when you switch from yelling at someone by name mm-hmm. to by gender. No, oh, yeah, no. Like I said, it's, it's not very polite. He's definitely not the, you know, should it, not have it, it done is that. definitely, he is definitely at that point in time knowingly saying, know your place, woman. Yep. And... Yep. I, I, I'm 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 genuinely I, I know that you know even in watching the Doom watches and whatnot the attitudes toward women, as we know as but you and I are old enough to know have changed uh, dramatically for the better uh, mm-hmm. with time and watching some of these relics though it really is shocking yeah um, just to just to think that that was ever okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he didn't quite go so far as to say she's having a case of the hysterics, but, um, you know, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump to that. Right. You almost expect Benny Hill to come strolling through. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And the other scene I wanted to ask, since we're talking about Helen, at the very end of the episode, uh, after Calder has given Partners his chance to redeem himself, Helen is in Conway's room, and she's shutting down his personal effects. She's wearing black. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout this episode, again, not mentioned in my recap, but throughout this episode, he gets distracted by looking at space. 
at the surface of the moon, at the stars. Yeah. Um, he he goes into a bit of a reverie. He refers to it as the great silence at one point. Um, he talks about, and I think his example is, you know, modern progress has changed the world. Uh, for example, you know, everyone used to have to go down to the well to get their water in a town, and then they invented taps and so now you can get your water right in the house and yeah that's an improvement but we lost something when we did that Mm -hmm. and i'm presuming he means we lost people going down to the well and and that activity and having that interaction with other people and it's it's funny that that you could could just substitute cell phone sure sure for that one right there i mean that is that is another example of technology I, it, it's interesting. I've never heard anybody use water distribution because it's universally considered to be a good thing. Yes. I've never heard anyone ever say it's bad having running water in in your house. And yet here here he is saying, yeah, it's good, but it's bad. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that he, uh, he agrees with running water as a concept, but in, in practical application that, uh, you know, it does tend to... Uh... Uh, separate people and it doesn't lend to the uh, the fellowship and uh, camaraderie that one, one would gain while you're waiting for your turn at the bucket. He, he definitely, yeah. although I don't think he ever uses the word sterile, he he definitely is going for that. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, the world is a sterile, sterile compared to the good old days. And Technology has was, removed the humanity from humans, yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, he, he's been staring and somewhat prior to him committing suicide, he is lying on his bunk. He's opened the hatch where you can look out at the stars yep, the view overhead on the mm-hmm. dome. And, and get, get, get all the radiation you could ever want. I'm sure that's anti-radiation glass. Oh, right. I'm right, sure it course, is. Yes. It's, it's 2011. They've invented that by then, along with the artificial gravity. Ah, you're right. Yes. My bad. Um, <laughs> but what gets me weird is when Helen is picking up the room, she looks up at the window. She closes the window and then she stares at the closed window. Is that an editing problem? Should she have been staring at the open window, following his gaze out to whatever it was and wherever he's gone? Or is it symbolic that she's closed, closed the, the window, window on him? Yeah, that, that chapter is done with her life. I think that's part of her training Earth side that uh, steals her for uh, getting her emotions uh in the way of her work, then that's a a joke, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've still got two more episodes, so I'm sure there's at least two more scientists she can um, get involved with. I yeah, mean, she's perhaps. not going to stay off the market for long. No. Attractive no, no. woman like that? No. On a moon base? No, mm-hmm. no, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... The only things I really have is to just talk a little bit about the technology stuff. So, mm-hmm. mm, partners, foam we've metal. Heard, ref, yeah, foam <laughs> metal is one. That's Conway. Yep. Um, foam metal was first uh, created in 1928 mm-hmm. on Earth. So, uh, we've had that for some time. Um, although, obviously, not not done the way it's done here. Right, um, right. I, I knew, I've heard in the past that, you know, 
one of the possible avenues of space exploration or one of the, the side effects of space exploration is manufacturing in weightlessness. Yeah, or microgravity, yeah. Microgravity. And um, I didn't want to say gravity in, in zero G because it's not zero G, <laughs> exactly. but you know you know what I mean. Yeah, right? microgravity. Somebody, some of our listeners would get pedantic. It's like, well, it's not really in zero. There's no, there is gravity on the space station. It's just always yep. falling around the Earth and everything. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah, we know. It's, it's microgravity. Uh, and that that might be able to produce different properties for... Uh, material science. Right. So I'm all fine and fine and dandy with that. And I've heard of foamed metal being yep. one of those things that they might be doing. So obviously the technique that they use on Earth, which are apparently there's two different kinds. One has to do with gas and mm-hmm. one has to do with um, putting solids. Yeah. Like a plastic there. filler that burns away. Yep. Burns away or something of that nature. So um, would one sixth gravity on the moon and that's enough? considerably, yeah, that's considerably more gravity than, say, being on the ISS. Well, it would right? definitely help, I'm sure. You know, it would help keep the bubbles from rising to the surface as you're trying to inject gas through your is that what the metal. Is that what the intent yeah. is to do? So yeah. that they distribute more evenly. Exactly. Yeah, because obviously the gas is much more buoyant than the metal, so it's going to go to the surface almost immediately. So the idea is you want to increase the viscosity of the metal to a point where uh, it's still castable, but you can get bubbles in it. You can make it into a closed-cell foam like you would, uh, you know, like um, expanded polypropylene or something like that. Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and my understanding is that the major uses of foamed metal as currently exists would be insulation material because mm-hmm. anything foamed up is is an insulator um right. as a shock impact right absorber although it does not rebound so it's a one-time use kind of right. thing and the other is a supposedly structural integrity or structural strength with less weight right it can also be used as it, a heat sink in the open cell version of it. Okay. Insul- yeah. Well, I guess that's like not a sponge. the same as insulation. Okay. That's yeah. not the same well, as insulation. It's, a, it's thermal It's thermal property exchange. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, yep. So, I, you know, a real thing and, and mm-hmm. interesting. I, in a way, I, I'm not saying that this show should be teaching people about science, but at the same <laughs> time, <laughs> absolutely not one word as to why they care about making foamed metal on this, in this episode. You know, if you don't know anything about foamed metal and they just say, foamed metal, what's that? Right, yeah. Nobody said anything that this would be a great construction material or this would be a great insulator or a heat sink or whatever. Yeah, it would have been nice if they would have made a a practical application example out of of that. But, yeah, they didn't. Yeah. And and then in the case of Partness's um, experiments... Mm-hmm. was making a new nuclear fuel. Right. Which had less byproducts. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, less byproducts oh. and greater yield than uh, uranium. Uranium. Oh, that's what it was. Well, I mean, that's obviously, if we could do that, that would be uh, that would be good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that, you know, by 2011, they haven't switched over to uh, 
thorium reactors. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they have their problems. But you know, that was probably something that really wasn't in the uh, the latest science journal. Whoever was writing this had access to. <laughs> so, taking aside the fact that. This program is sexist, the psychologist is incompetent, uh, Calder is willing to com be party to fraud, mm -hmm. up to a point, or a cover-up at least, um, mm -hmm. that astronauts go nuts. Well, we'll call them scientists, but space-based astronauts go nuts. Right. I guess technically workers. speaking, you're an astronaut, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're yeah. in space, you are technically an astronaut. It doesn't matter. You're not, you don't have to be trained. It's not like... The pilot is the astronaut, and the mission specialist isn't an astronaut. They're like mission specialists, but they're right. Exactly, they're yep. astronauts. So okay, they're fine. We'll call. Them. And I, back I, then, everybody who was on board a spacecraft was an astronaut, primarily astronaut, and then secondary. Oh, you know geology? Awesome. You know that sort of Whoa, stuff. Well, you know how to work a hammer? Excellent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. We got some rocks for you to pound. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, yeah. Okay, cool, fine. Yeah. Nuclear fuel. They were going to have some nuclear fuel tugs, something like that. Nuclear fuel carrier from the moon to Earth, if they did yeah. this. I kind of got the impression that that was already a thing, that all they would have to do I did is, is get that impression. refit them with the new new material and get rid of the uranium, and it would you know pull itself up to, to Earth. I definitely did get that feeling. Yeah. Because he didn't, he didn't talk about, all we have to do is to build a nuclear fuel tug. Right, like, right. We just... Run a nuclear fuel tug up. Yeah, we just put unleaded in it. That's a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, they got they got um, they got whatever material they have for the reactor on the base mm -hmm. somehow. Maybe that's what that rock was in the very opening scene. <laughs> yeah, I don't know just, what that was. He was just contemplating that rock. It's like no, maybe that's what it was. That's a rock. Actually, that wasn't him. That was one of his team. Okay, and then maybe it was rock, just and an they excuse over to, to him. Show to show him standing off away from everybody else, staring off uh, across the lunar landscape. I wonder why he was out on a mineral, uh, a rock survey if he's working on pouring metals. I don't know. If he's trying to Maybe get some more ore for the to get out. samples, or yeah, it was. It could you know. be. It could be. Um, there were two things, mm -hmm. um, and I think actually, when I say two things, I mean one thing. Uh, it was two times. Uh -huh. <laughs> Twice. I noticed it the first time, and I kind of thought, eh, it's, uh, eh, they must have done that on purpose. They must have had to do that as a special effect intentionally. And then later in the episode, they did it again. It's like, oh, it's absolutely. And that is that they got the Earth reflected in Conway's helmet. Ah. In that verse, in that first scene when he's standing there doing the, the rock fondler, and then he's staring <laughs> off... You know, he is a little bit far, but the earth is absolutely reflected in his visor. Oh, okay. I didn't and catch that. Yeah. See, and that's the whole point. I, I saw it and I thought, huh, because, you know, they're, they're not too careful about what gets reflected in those helmets, like cameras and things like that, studio lights, etc. <laughs> so the fact that I noticed that the earth was there means that somebody's doing that somehow. And it must mean something because they wouldn't waste their time on it right? if he wasn't doing it. And, of course, there in the final scene when he takes his helmet off, it's up there as well yeah. because, well, at the earth, that, 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 that scene, it makes, it makes a certain amount of sense. Um, so, yeah, that was my two things. There was, it was just one thing split in twice. Okay. 
Um, I think, I mean, might be another shorty, but, uh, they still have, uh, they're doing some sort of a, um, surface survival roulette with the uh, 15 minute air packs. Yes. I'm thinking that that's somebody's way of getting people on the surface to do their jobs quicker and more efficiently. It's like, go out there, you have budget, 15 minutes. Budget cuts. Exactly. Anymore, you're going to die. So, you know, chop, chop. <laughs> that, okay. Well, let's, let's, let's play with that a little bit. So there are certain <laughs> circumstances, like when you have to walk from the base to the shuttle. Yeah. It's a little short walk. Just a, just a little hop. Um, probably when you want to go to the toilet, you have to, you have to suit up and go out to the outhouse. That'd be my guess. Could be, yeah. Another, another one. Um, depending on whether that's pressurized or not, a 15-minute pack might be good. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, there are a few things that you might do with a short... Let, let's just pretend like that's a legitimate idea, that there might be just a couple things where you just need to go out and wipe the window down or something because a bug spattered on it. Or it's obscuring your view of Earth or Space whatever. Uh, <laughs> a bit of cheese got stuck to the window, yes. Would there be any any advantage to having fifteen minute packs? Is no. It, is it weight? It's in, is it's it insane? No, there there, well, or, that, there that's would be what it feels like to yes, me. Yes, but, there would be a little uh, weight savings. Uh you wouldn't have to fill up the liquid oxygen tank so much. Um, you know, maybe it would be a smaller one, great. But still the safety factor is not there. Is there is there <laughs> Would you have loss? In other words, if you kept packs ready to go? No. no well, um, it sounds like they keep their gases in a cryogenic state, which makes sense because you can put them in cylinders and liquids easier to store than a gas in that respect. But um, no, I mean, you're going to have to have you know, a safety factor built into that. If you're flying an airplane, you have to have you know X number of minutes of fuel in order to get to another uh, airport and perhaps loiter there for a while so you can land. Um, I think scuba divers have to have a, a certain amount of reserve air uh, with them in case they run into trouble. But, okay, so let me ask this question. Yeah. Maybe a 15-minute pack is actually a 25-minute pack. Maybe. I would hope it would be 30, but yeah. Okay, some other number. Like yeah, maybe, maybe a 15-minute pack really has two hours. <laughs> Could be. That would be awesome. It's just... Just the alarms start going off after 15, you're going to die, you're going right. to die, you're going right. to die. Well, right. That's a bit extreme, but yeah, yeah, it, that'd be fine. But still, um, it's, it's a, honestly, a lame way to make uh, tension. I, I honestly <laughs> would not, um, you know, want to go out without a two-hour air oh, supply. Yeah. Or a hose attached to the station. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Along with an emergency pack of two hours. Yeah. Do, do you feel like, do you feel like that... The 15-minute pack gambit made this whole situation feel more tense. Um, yes, because there'd be no yeah? real way to get, you know, Tom and his gang out there quick enough to grab him and throw him into a pressurized vehicle. See, I didn't get that. Really? The, the, no. Well, yeah, I realize that that's to prevent Tom and the guys to get out there. Yeah. But I and didn't get kilometers. that as being uh, an option. Because I knew from 15 minutes into this episode that Conway was going to off himself. <laughs> so there is no way that when he wouldn't matter if he'd had a 10-hour air pack on him, he wasn't coming back. 
well, you know, if they, they got close to him, he was going to pull that helmet off, or I didn't know actually how he was going to uh, right. actually kill himself, whether he was going to lift his visor like you could in Space 1999. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, uh... <laughs> Hell, you just pull your cuff back and you're yeah. exposed to vacuum. <laughs> well, he wouldn't be able to hear the nothing. Oh, um, right, exactly. The great silence, but... <laughs> um, I, yeah, I just, I just didn't. When they say it's a fifteen-minute pack, it's like, so what? The guy's going out to kill himself. He's it's just, it doesn't matter whether he has. Well, obviously, nobody in that area had enough psychological training to see the signs that the man was mentally disturbed, including no, the psychiatrist. Apparently, no one. <laughs> and apparently, yeah. no one. Not at all. Not, yeah. not one single person. So, uh, uh, yeah, I love the. Uh, the very long shots of the pouring of the metal with no narration, really. Yes. Didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> they were a little bit slow, weren't they? Yeah. It's like, see the amazing molten goo. Metallurgy has never been so thrilling. <laughs> or it's well, it just a... really ugly looking ice cream they're dispensing. I don't know. It's hard to tell. To, to be fair, this episode had padding. Yeah. I <laughs> think that was it. That was some of it right there. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't don't get me wrong I don't I don't despair for the fact that there was padding in it um, I don't mind slower paced shows I'm sure that's come out on the podcast before mm -hmm. this is, I was watching I, I, no joke actually when I was saying I was watching a Columbo um, which are about this time yep. in U S television early seventies and uh, there, there's a scene where Columbo you know is talking to somebody and. They tell him something and he's, and then he gets in his car and we see him get in his car mm -hmm. and then we see him driving across Los Angeles. Right. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of music playing while he's driving and smoking his cigar and, 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 you know, looking at the back projection he's not talking to anyone. He's not, not, not even really looking reflective, just driving, just driving. And then, and then they show his car pull up at the next location yep. and he Maybe gets he out and he goes in what... and like, Mrs. Columbo's making for dinner. Who knows? Yeah. And it just, I look at it and it, it doesn't bother me at all. I'm used to it. It's, right. it's showing us that Columbo is going and doing this thing, but the language of television has evolved so much now to this era where supposedly kids can't watch anything if it isn't bam, bam, bam. But they could totally have gotten away with just Columbo goes, well, I guess I'll go to the hairstylist then. Boom. Walk yeah, exactly. The door of the hairstylist. You know that exactly. it was a little exposition. You're done. You're there. That he didn't. That he didn't leap there by teleport or right. something like that. You know that he drove there and he got in mm -hmm. there. And it, it, who knows? It might not even have been a direct drive. Maybe he went home, had dinner, came back the next morning. We don't know. It doesn't matter unless it does matter. But in this case, it did not matter. And that's kind of what I felt like when I was watching this episode. I I was getting some. Very much like, oh, yeah, I see. Well, they're, you're right. They're pouring that metal again. <laughs> yeah. And um, there was also the scene where um, Partness was, uh, you know, had his writing his equations. And then later on, he was circle around kind of slowly because they didn't work. <laughs> like, yeah. like, yeah, that's a little, um, that's a little on the slow phase, too. Yeah. So, well, I think that was there to show that his work wasn't progressing the way he wanted it to. 
Were you confused uh, or thrown when in basically the next scene after he pulls that circle X mark, Calder reveals that he's had a big breakthrough too? Um, Because it is basically the next scene. No. And and I kind of like, huh, maybe I misunderstood him drawing a big circle and an X through Hmm. his his notes. But now suddenly, ta-da, he's made success. And I, I... but it was, it, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. Well, I, well, something's going on here. What's going to happen now? I have to watch. I do appreciate the fact that uh, one, we had the scene earlier where Bruno chastises him for not cleaning up after right. his experiments with the reactor. Right for not being a tidy then, scientist. And then when he's when he says to Calder at the after the demo he says oh you know Calder says let's go have a drink and he says well I gotta I gotta clean up the reactor and I thought huh you know he's he's doing good he's he's learned his lesson that's that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of excellent and then Calder's like no uh-huh. no 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 it's like and he goes oh and I I can't write what I wrote in my net uh, notes word for word but basically I said uh oh no He's left the reactor uh, messed up, and I expected that something was going to destroy it or blow up. Right, part exactly. Of the base something was going to happen. Yeah, for you know, not following procedure. Right. But I think it was also interesting that when he did finally manage to break off and go away, Calder was suspicious. Yes. Oh, that guy's no. That guy's no idiot. He. It's like he's standing there with the observer from Earth. He can't mm-hmm. do much, but he can give a look to the camera that says, hmm, hmm. something's afoot. He's he's a little more conscientious than I am led to believe that he normally is based on the reports I've gotten so far. Exactly. So, <laughs> so um, did did Bruno stage the cover up and then tell Calder that it was? Of th- that there was a flaw in the venting of the reactor or something like that that caused the the fault, and Calder equally just picked it up and knew exactly what had happened, or did Bruno tell him that well he i think had... he, I think well Bruno told uh, uh Tom, and then Tom mm-hmm. was seen like right after that talking to Calder in the background of the party, and then Calder made the announcement that there was had been a a, a problem with the reactor and that his findings were invalidated. So, yeah, I so think Bruno covered it Bruno, up. Bruno, yeah, Bruno was definitely did he did he was he helping could. yeah, he was he was reporting it but he was also he apparently took to heart the little talk that uh uh Parkness had about, you know, if this goes then so does the uh the moon base. So, right. yeah. And I think then so what we can you're right. I'd forgotten the whole part about Tom being the intermediary. What Bruno yeah. said to Tom was that the thing had a fatal a vent or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Problem in the venting. And so Tom told that to Calder and it was obvious Calder immediately knew. Yes. Yeah. I'm, what really yeah, pretty happened. sure he knew exactly what was going on. He's probably seen that sort of thing before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Cal- Calder is no <laughs> fool. No. <laughs> no. He was definitely sent there for a reason. I mm. kind of regret that the se- that the entire series is only six episodes. I would have liked to have seen more 
more depth of his character. Yeah. I, I'm I'm curious as to whether or not I'm guessing now this is British TV. They probably only intended to make six episodes. Yeah, this and is then, not one of know, the, this is not an American show. Like, well, we were going to make twelve, and then we just decided, whatever, it's not good you know, enough. Maybe this, they this sum it all was up in the next for six. Yeah, maybe, perhaps, maybe they're they hoping. Do. Well, maybe we'll get another season out of it. I don't know. I don't know what they're. There's certainly been more. Uh, well, there must have been because they were working in conjunction with ABC and the 20th Century Fox. Somebody 20th Century. Yeah, because uh, if it was so going to be, they didn't want six parts. They would have wanted, you know, twenty six parts. Right, exactly. They would have like wanted what the prisoner provided for him, at least. Yeah, that's right. And remember, the prisoner was supposed to be. Well, they they stretched the prisoner out another six episodes just for America. Mm-hmm. So, because yeah. we had videotape machines in our our uh, our TV stations, and we could play back pre recorded shows. It was quite amazing. <laughs> and film projectors too because yes uh, but anyways mm-hmm. uh, i don't have anything else um let me look at my notes real quick here oh uh conway conway was uh, once a radio astronomer thought that was interesting finally hear a little bit about his scientific past and then he got into metallurgy yeah no i'm sorry um not conway um calder 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 was a radio astronomer that's yeah, right you're go. right yeah so he does have some sciencey experience with yep. spacey stuff. Yes, exactly. He he's got the spacey. He's exactly. Def- yep. He's a about certified spaceman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. That's it. Beating a dead astronaut scientist. Exactly. <laughs> Especially when went out to go sniff vacuum. Listen to it. Can exactly. listen, to listen to vacuum. vacuum. Right. He should have dug a well. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I'm going to have to dig a well here. And, uh... Well, we know he strikes uh, moon ice and then cause all sorts of havoc back at the base. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> Do you know what the next episode is? It's um, Castor and Pollux. Oh, all right. This is going to be an astronomy episode. Something about that. Something about that. Yeah, now we're on episodes I have not seen at all. And the we're last just two about were... done with them, too. <laughs> exactly. The last two were the only ones I had not seen before. So we'll we're already be... going to have to start thinking about what comes next. <laughs> yeah. <ooh. laughs> anyway, John, thank you for joining me. You're very welcome. It's always a pleasure. And listeners, I too hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.